Hey everyone, Steve here, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Vicky Lashenko, The Saxman124, and Trista Lamborn for giving us reviews on iTunes. iTunes does their rankings based on an algorithm of downloads and reviews, so each review we get helps bump us up those podcast charts. If you like what you've heard and you've got a moment, please go to iTunes and leave us an honest review. We would appreciate it more than you know. We've got a link embedded in the summary of this MP3 to make it even easier to do so. And if you do, you'll probably get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks. Look up, look up, look up. There is a bigger picture that you are part of and don't lose sight of that. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, author and speaker, Dondi Scumachi. Now, Dondi has written three books, Designed for Success, The Ten Commandments for Women in the Workplace, Career Moves, How to Plan for Success, Create Value for Your Organization, and Make Yourself Indispensable No Matter Where You Work, and then thirdly, Ready, Set, Grow, How to Rediscover Your Passion, Overcome Your Fears, and Create the Life You've Always Wanted. She's wise and practical and one of my favorites. Here now is how my co-host John Ramstead got this conversation started. All right, Steve, this morning on Eternal Leadership, we have Dondi Scumacci on. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. We heard about her through our past interview with Bob Berg, and afterwards Bob had said, all right, if you're interested in interviewing some women, here are some names. And he named off a few. And the first one that he named off was our guest today, Dondi Scamachi. And I remember looking at her website saying, I want to get her on. Yeah, and we're excited, Dondi, because Bob said you had the female John Maxwell. John Maxwell used to be my pastor. He actually offered to mentor me once, and I actually turned him down. So it, t- it tells you my level of intelligence. So well, welcome to the show. Thank you. That is a huge honor, both Bob Berg and John Maxwell. Wow, what a, what, a, what an influencer in my life as well. Yeah, b- both of those are. Now, you have a very interesting background you know, in finance, and now today you're speaking and, and creating mentoring partnerships, and you've offered three uh, authored three great books, but uh, I would love to start and just share a little bit about your your story and your journey, let people get to know you. And then there's a whole bunch of things Steve and I'd like to dive into. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm honored. And I and I know that I'm in good company as I look at the list of your interviews and your interviewees. So I am honored to be here with you. Now, my background, I, I like to see it this way. I think I, for the longest time, kind of followed a path, but I didn't create one. And so and I think I did a great job of taking care of the things that came my way. I was uber responsible and I think a, a little talented. I had great mentors. I was very driven and very ambitious. But as I look back at it, I started out in banking. I started at the beginning of banking and I grew into executive leadership of a couple of large banks in the United States. Uh, but that, that was really just following the path. And then one day I decided, what do I want to do? Uh, what are my gifts and my talents? And I think that this is one of the messages that I tried to deliver out there in the big wild, if you will. It's that you came to the planet fully loaded with gifts and talents. They're yours. God gave them to you. But they did not come batteries included, man. You've got to open your gifts. You've got to develop them and practice them, and you've got to bring them to market. And I think there's a huge chunk of humanity that still hasn't opened their gifts. They're just in job jail. 
So, you know, part of my transformation is realizing I was kind of in job jail and, uh, and I wanted to do something. I wanted to design my life. And so I went from being an executive of a bank to being a consultant, which is just code for unemployed. And people thought <laughs> I was nuts. I mean, people, the president of that bank said, that's a really big leap. And it was, it was scary and, and it was freakishly big in terms of how, how far I was leaping. And then I landed in a really wonderful place, not without, uh, not without some heart, heartache, not without some scary moments, but that's another message that I, that I tried to bring to the big wild. You've got to take some risks. You know, and you and I have talked about my work with Fortunato. I'll give you a little secret. The reason that I train that horse, the reason that I go out there as often as I can, and the reason I get in the arena with this thing is it's really scary. And I want my life, I want to I live courageously. I want to have some things in my life that just kind of scare me. And, and he reminds me frequently that he's big. He's 1,200 pounds of I don't want to sometimes. Yeah, Dondi, horses do scare me. <laughs> Last time I was on a horse, I was in the hospital for almost two years. Oh, oh, well. But see, I, I so I admire your courage. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I, think, I think it's part of part of it is I want to take some risks. I want to be a little brave. But here's something else: I want to be new at something. Mm-hmm. I am not an experienced rider, John. I I have a lot to learn. Uh, this horse will find holes in me every time uh, we work, and he exploits them, right? So I have to figure out uh, what's happening in me that I have to, you know, how do I uh, increase my skills and how do I build my presence? So learning to be new again, and that, you know, when you're the speaker, um, you're supposed to have the answers. And so when I go to the barn, I'm the new kid on the block with lots of questions. So there's just a couple of life lessons there. Design a path, open your gifts, take some risks, be new. Always be new. You know, question for you is you were talking about gifts. When you had this awareness of these gifts, were they like presents under the tree where they were like right there in the open for you to discover? Or was it like an Easter egg hunt and you had to go search around and find them? I think there were things I was always just, I was always interested in, um, energized by, uh, drawn to. So this will, this is something that nobody knows about me or very few. Maybe Bob Berg does, but I'm a ventriloquist. Did you know that? So I grew up with the- So you're not moving your lips right now. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up with those dolls and dummies on my lap and I would do these big shows and I would charge my family 25 cents to see my show and I would develop scripts and I- in school, I would run for president of the you know student body, and I would use the dummy to be my speaker, and uh, and and I still have them. They kind of freak my husband out, by the way. He doesn't like them, but uh, but that's one example of performing, you know, getting out there, being in front, uh, you know, and being a little, you know, being a little dramatic, a little bit of the magical, like setting the stage, uh, creating an experience for people. So I was. Five, and the things that I enjoyed doing were really about putting on a bigger, better show, making people laugh, helping people enjoy themselves, being more satisfied. So when you say was it an Easter egg hunt? I think if you look at what gives you energy, 
What gives you joy? What, you know, when you're, when you lose time and time just gets away from you, what are you doing? That will point you sometimes to your gifts. On the other hand, what exhausts you? You know, what drains you of your life source? You know, I don't think it's about capability in opening your gifts because I think we can be good at anything. We really set our mind to if we're prayerful about that. God can help us be successful and, and capable. I think it's about energy. Some things will energize you. Some things will exhaust you. It's not about can you do it. It's about did God create you to do it. So once you start having awareness of, of all these gifts, Dondi, as you went through your career, what, how did you integrate that when you had this awareness? What, what happened next? And I know you're, you're big into mentoring and working with people, and I'd love to talk about how it led you into what you're doing now. So when I was a banker, I was uh, in sales. I loved sales, and uh, and and I was pretty good at that, quite frankly. I and I loved the tangible nature of being able to create wealth for people or help them lower their their credit costs. And I could I could tell you every day how many people I talked to and what I'd done for them. So there was that that problem solver, make a difference part right there. And then and, and then as I grew up, I was managing the sales functions of large institutions and. And really um, designing the infrastructure for salespeople to to be relationship managers, and I fell in love with developing people. And I it, so no, it was no longer about making the sale myself; it was helping someone else be tremendously successful. And I did a lot of speaking and writing and designing of uh, learning experiences and mentoring one on one, but mentoring the, the institutions around that, right? And, uh, and, and that's when I just fell in love with speaking. And when I, when, I, when I realized that you can, if you can craft a message that inspires the heart, you can be a catalyst for amazing change. You can, and, and, and I love the, the, you know, as we prayed at the top of our, of our conversation today, um, you said something, you know, God, you know who's going to hear this. You know even that one person. I, I remember in San Antonio speaking to a group of, I don't know, three or 4,000 people. And it was fun. I had a ball. And it was a great audience. But at the end of it, as I was walking out, there was one woman standing against the wall. And tears were rolling down her face. And she had waited for all of the packing up and all of that. She had waited for all of the goodbyes and the thank yous. She had waited probably... 30 minutes or more. And she said, I need to tell you that your message to, tonight was for me. Wow. It was for me. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? And even if you had been the only person in the room, I would have still shown up. And so would have God, because you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. I, I really believe that sometimes there's that one person mm -hmm. you might have five other thousand people sitting in the room. But this was for the one. Sometimes I think, you know what? I write these books. It, maybe it was for one person. God would still have me write it, right? Because who knows what that person will go do. And that's why I'm in love with mentoring. It, it, you know, it is this idea that if you can invest yourself in someone, who knows what they're going to go do? They, they, they could change the world. And you got to be a little part of that. And, I, and I, I think I get that a little bit from my, my upbringing. My mom is this beautiful, lovely Christian. She's my best friend, my spiritual mother, my natural mother. Uh, but uh, Johnny is her name. And I remember one time, Johnny comes from a little farm town, like, like 900 people, li literally five people in her, in her school, not just her graduating class, in her whole school. And a little farm girl. And, and 
she said to me one time, I look at your life and I look at what you do and I, and I feel like uh, I was feeling like I really haven't accomplished anything in my life. And she was on a mountain and she was talking to God and she was crying saying, what have I done with my life? What have I accomplished? And she said it was almost out loud that she heard God say to her, your purpose was Dondi. Mm-hmm. That's you, you gave us Dondi. And she said, at that moment in my life, I realized I didn't live a small life. I gave birth to a really big one. And I think sometimes we look at our lives and we're looking for this impact. And I think if you go back and ask God, what is the impact that you had planned for me? You might find that you are right where you're supposed to be or that there is something much greater in store for you. And these small things, remember that scripture, don't despise, despise the small things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we despise the small things and we don't see the big thing that God is doing with our small thing. So when I look at my transformations throughout, it's where, I'll be quite honest with you, I think there are times when I was in banking, uh, I was miserable at the end of my career there uh, for a lot of reasons. I was bored out of my mind. I was working for uh, what I felt was a very dysfunctional leader. Uh, and uh, we, we, we were sort of adversarial in our, in, our, in our relationship. Good man, but we just didn't um, really work well together with very different uh, perspectives and very different uh, you know, uh, approaches. I respect him, but I wasn't enjoying working for him. And I felt like God had his foot on my butt pushing me right out the door. You know, it's like, I, I, because I was pretty comfortable, a really nice salary, really good benefits. I mean, there was, you know, I was a vice president. I had a lot of span and scope and power and freedom and latitude, and I was unhappy. And to this day, I really believe that God was not going to allow me to settle. And so sometimes when we're really, um, when we're really unhappy or dissatisfied, I think that might be God saying, you will not settle. There is something more for you to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to push you out the door and it's going to be painful. But I turn around now and I think I'm thankful for the experience with that, with that leader. I'm thankful for what I learned in that process. And I'm also thankful that God didn't allow me to settle because I'm in love with what I do now. You know, when you had that transition out of that environment, and you followed this calling and you went on your own, you, you feel like you're following God's path, but you still had some pretty tremendous adversity. You know, you, you shared with me earlier about this struggle in the hotel, and I'd love to hear some of that. You know, as you start down this path where you feel you're called to, um, how do you handle, how did you handle adversity and how did you, you know, bring God into that process? Such a transformational moment, right, in my life. So I was doing a leadership tour through the South. And I know that sounds sometimes very glamorous, but really what it means is you fly into a city, you speak, you drive, you speak, you drive, you speak, you drive until you end up in the next big city, you speak, and then you fly home. In my business, you know, in the speaker world, uh, it's called being on the run. So I, and they actually sometimes in that industry use a terminology for speakers, they call them the horse. So I was the horse on the run in the South, right? Not very, not very glamorous at all. I think maybe like the uh, third day into the tour, I checked into the hotel and I got settled, uh, hung up the suits and was leaving to go get some dinner or something. And I left my room and was beaten almost to death in the hallway of that hotel. And uh, that was this moment where, and I, I will tell you, it was a long walk home. I took a lot of uh, brain trauma, a lot of uh, a blunt force trauma to the head. And I think what was the biggest... There was just somebody in the hallway waiting for you? They saw you or... 
I think it, uh, as the story goes, he was on video having been like on different floors, knocking on doors. Uh, you know, he was trying to get into someone's room. And, and I and I thank God that uh, that he didn't come into my mm-hmm. room. I think I would be dead. Uh, uh, he would have gotten the job done. If it weren't for a couple of businessmen that were uh, on that floor that heard the scuffle, uh, they, they came out and, and they, and he, and he fled and he was never, uh, never captured, I don't think. But, but the point for me was that, um, when you talk about how did you get through that? Well, first of all, God protected me. And I, I don't even, this isn't meant to sound heroic at all. I'm a pretty strong person. So if that had to happen to somebody, then I'm glad it didn't happen to somebody who was older um, mm-hmm. or, or pregnant or, you know, if it had to happen to somebody, it happened to, to a person who was physically strong, had a huge and wonderful wide support system and uh, to, 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 to overcome that. But really what I talk about there is that there was a part of me that didn't want to get up off that floor. Right. There was a part of my confidence was shaken. My trust in humanity was shaken. I went from being very cavalier about my personal safety to being almost agoraphobic. And if you would have handed me at that time a book by John Maxwell or something on, you know, confidence or self-esteem, I probably would have cracked you over the head with it. Right. But what I learned was that the messages that have been being put into me my whole life about God, about my faith, about my possibility, about comfort, about peace, about healing, about my my future. You know, I have a, I have a plan for your future. Those messages started to bubble to the top. And, and my point there is, is that it's kind of like if you have an orange and you squeeze it with all of your might, juice will come out. And it will always be orange juice because that's what's in an orange. When mm-hmm. life presses in on you, whatever's in there is going to come out. If fear and anger and bitterness and resent come out, that's what's in there already, right? If faith and hope and resiliency come out, that's what is in there. So in that way, events never get to define us. They just reveal us. So sometimes when people are going through adversity in their lives, what I say to them is this adversity is designed to show you what's in there. And I and to this day, there are times when life will press on me. And quite frankly, John, I don't like what comes out. I don't like my response or my attitude. And that, I think, is God's way of saying, I'm going to push on you a little so you can see what's in there. And then you can decide whether or not that belongs in there. Is that aligning with the, the, the plans I have for you or the, the person that you desire to be? Uh, so we're always a work in progress, but I think that that's the big thing that that showed me was uh, that, and, and it also showed me something. This was an interesting kind of side note from that. I looked like I had stepped out of the ring with Rocky. I, I, I was battered badly, and the black eyes and the swelling lasted for a very long time. And I had a speaking engagement. Most of my speaking engagements, of course, were canceled, but about six weeks out, I had a local one. And you were still showing this six weeks out. Oh, yeah, six weeks out, I still have black eyes, you know, and it was kind of that, it wasn't really even a pretty black eye anymore. It was kind of getting to be that greenish blue. I mean, kind of, you know, it's that. (laughs) And I decided, I don't know if I can get, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I have the confidence or the, or the, just the personal strength. I felt uh, diminished. uh, And I decided I'm going to go do this, this event for a school district in San Antonio. It was a five or 600 people. It was all women. 
And when I stood up in front of them uh, with these black eyes, I said, first of all, let's just get this right out of the way. And I told them the story. And I said, and now today is just really sort of my, um, this is my opportunity to uh, make my great comeback. And I'm asking for your help. I'm asking that you will help me focus on um, the, the, the reason we are here and, and, and not what happened before I got here. And I'm asking that you will uh, pardon me if I stutter because I, I, I lose my space sometimes. And I ask that you will overlook the black eyes and just see the message. And I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. Um, and that my attack connected so beautifully with people and how many women came up to me after and said that they had experienced a domestic violence or abuse in some way at some point in their life. So my wounds were not distasteful for them. It actually created a greater connection with them. I was human and I was real. And I, uh, and I, and I asked them to sort of fill the gap, uh, the gaps in my in my, in my memory or my, the flaws that I might demonstrate, I didn't have to be a perfect person. I could just be the authentic person that I am. And I could actually be in front of the room and ask for help. And they delivered beautifully. That was my comeback. That was the day that God showed me, you can do this again. And people don't expect you to be perfect. In fact, they actually relate more to your flaws. And there, off we went. I learned a valuable lesson, right? It took a long time to make that turn, right? A couple of months to kind of make that big turn. But uh, now that's a distant memory. But I, I wouldn't want to repeat it, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Hey, Dondi, as you, as you shared that, um, I'm just thinking about, you know, this the perceived capability that you have of yourself, especially having gone through this. In that gap between the possibility in your life that God sees. And a lot of us, when we have these moments, you know, it's kind of fearful to kind of step into that gap or move forward through that to that next destination. So when you're mentoring somebody that's, and all of us have had these kind of, you know, these valley experiences, how do you help people just move forward? They're maybe right in the middle of the thick of that right now. Uh, what a great question, because I think that our lives are really designed to be one transformation after another, right? So you have to leave something to, to move closer to something else. And one of the things that I would, I would offer is that if we were to focus on the peace that we can influence or control, Mm -hmm. So like, it, it, so I have this big vision for my life and there's a lot of, there's a lot of big parts to that. And some of them might be way out there. It's just, what is the action I can take in this moment that will step me closer to that bigger picture of who I am? What is the decision I can make or the skill that I can practice? Where am I? How can I be more intentional with my gifts? So, uh, you know, so uh, an, an interesting thing that happens sometimes when I'm working with, with uh, leadership or, or, or even people who are, are in their careers and trying to improve their communication or their project management, whatever their skill sets are, I will ask them, what are your strengths, right? And they'll, they'll, they'll be able to write those down. But here's an interesting thing. We are far more aware of our flaws than our strengths, right? right, uh, right. And we probably talk about our flaws more. So when you ask people, what are your strengths? What are the things that you really have confidence in? And how are you using those strengths to achieve your goals? Because uh, an example of that was I had a leadership conference, uh, maybe 100 leaders in the room, very talented people, 
I had asked them to uh, to think of one of their strengths and then during the course of the day to just be really intentional with that strength. So if you're strategic, I want you to be the strategic voice at the table. If you're innovative, I want you to ask the, you know, ask in it for innovation from your group. And and don't tell your table team or your working group what you're what you're focusing on, but at the end of the day we'll do the big reveal. And at the, the end of the day, they'd worked very hard, it'd been a rigorous, robust day of discussion. And I said, I want you to, 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 to roll around your virtual tables there, your table teams, and I want you to, to tell the group, what have you been intentional with today? What is the attribute or the strength that you've been trying to be? Not talk about, but just be that. And only, and I think out of 100 or some leaders, only like four or five of them had even remembered to use their strength. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we forgot about the strength, right? <laughs> so I think sometimes our strengths, uh, we need to be more intentional with them. So that's another thing that I would offer there is that as you're in that, as you identify that gap from where you are to where you need to be, there are probably some things that you need to add to yourself, capabilities, information, your network will probably have to change, uh, you know, who you who you see as your peer group, of who you, you, you speak to, who you reach out for. But there will also be on the other side of that, there are also things that you already have within you that will help you get there. So how are you managing the gaps in terms of building yourself up in those areas? But how are you bringing your skills to it and being intentional with it? You know what I'm what I like about that, what I'm hearing, Dondi, is if we shift our mindset and we start focusing on things in our life that are positive, because it's easy to dwell on things that have happened, you know, why they're there. Uh, I'll never forget once a mentor of mine, you know, uh, there was a period Don and I had struggled with our marriage about seven years and we've been married 25 years now and business was very rough. And, and I was sharing all this with him. He goes, Hey, what's the common denominator between all of these things going on in your life? And I couldn't come up with an answer. And he goes, it's you. I'm like, I'm like, thanks, man. I didn't want to hear that. But you know what? He helped me start focusing on my on things that I do well, my strengths. You know, if it's a situation, go back and say, what did you learn from that? How do you move forward instead of dwell on things that are, aren't working? And I got to tell you, for me, that was definitely an inflection point in my life, just getting so much better. So I, I really like what, what you just shared, because it really connected with some things that have helped me in the past. And, you know, there's something else you just reminded me of. And as good interview goes, that ha- that's how it happens, right? So you just sparked an idea in me. This idea of sometimes we need to socialize our plan. Mm-hmm. I run into people that are trying to change how they're perceived or trying to change their track or their trajectory, but they kind of keep getting pushed back into the same old mold, right? Those patterns of communication or behaviors, at, and they feel locked into that. I've actually had people say, I'm trying to change, but people won't let me. If, you know, if it weren't for those people, I could actually change. And one of the tactics or, or techniques I think is just really interesting and, and incredibly powerful is how you socialize your plan. So cueing people to look for the changes you are trying to present. So if you were my mentor, John, I could say, you know, uh, I, John, I'm really working on my ability to be more strategic, my strategic agility. So, you know, uh, some of the things I'm seeing or hearing in the environment, uh, and maybe as I'm talking to you, I, you know, I might I ask a strategic question, but I've actually socialized what I'm working on. I've articulated to someone I trust, here's something that I want to get better at. 
and, and and I have then cued your brain to look for those those moments. So a funny story from Career Moves, uh, that my last book. Mm-hmm. There was this woman who was known as very tactical. Uh, that was her brand. I'm tactical. I'm efficient. They actually called her the go-to girl. I'm not fond of that little label, by the way. But I said, okay, well, it doesn't sound entirely bad. I mean, people rely on you. The team relies on you. So what's the deal? And she said, I want to be, she said, it plays out like this. The, the, the team will meet or my boss will meet with one of my peers. They'll have this great conversation, uh, a great strategy session. And then my boss will come out of that conversation with a list of to-dos for me. Like I'm the person that implements. And I can do that without a problem but I would like to be in the meeting. I'd like to be part of the, the team, part of the collaboration. I said, let's just try a little experiment. Let's socialize it a little bit. I said, the next time your boss comes to you with this famous to-do list, I want you to use the word strategy. I want you to uh, ask a strategic question. Use the word strategy or forms of the word strategy, not to the point of ad nauseum, but do that. Like uh, strategically speaking, how does this fit or how does this relate to the strategy of or can you help me understand the strategy behind? She called me in a week and she said, you are not going to believe it. My boss, I just overheard in the hallway telling one of my colleagues that I am one of the most strategic people that he's ever met. You know, a little smoke and mirrors maybe, but then watch what happens. About a month later, she called me back and she said, I didn't know what you meant in your book by that statement that your brand attracts to itself more of what it is. And now I do. Because today my boss came to me and instead of saying, will you take care of this? He said, what do you think we should do about this? Boom. My that brain. was huge for her, wasn't it? Yes. So she socialized the change that she was making. She uh, brought a strength to view, and she made it more visible to the people around her. And that began to attract a different opportunity, right? So when I say socializing your plan, you know, we've all be the change you want to see in the world. Talk about the change you're trying to make in yourself. Talk about that. Use those words. There is a lexicon to the changes that you want to make in yourself. And you can begin then to attract different opportunities. Uh, so I think that um, when, when you were talking about the idea of we end up talking about our flaws or focusing on our gaps, if you were to flip that over and talk about the changes that you are making, and allow people then to sort of look for this. It it actually triggers the reticular activating system in your brain, right? So it's that part of your brain that um, we've all had it. Like you couldn't remember the movie title or someone's name or the name of a book, and, and you were trying so hard and it wouldn't come to you. And then you're in the shower and boom, there it is. Your brain just delivered that, right? So in your brain, by the way, at that moment was doing a little happy dance. I just want you to know it's a sign. <laughs> you got a little dopamine shot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we can we can we can use that 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 strategy very intentionally when we put it out there like that. We get people to look for the things in us that we want them to see more of. So, so here's even- something I, I've noticed in the workforce, and I'd love to get your thought because this is where you're working every day. Some of the there's a these some of these limiting beliefs, like this woman. Uh, who just saw herself as just this tactical operator. She's an executor, right? And that was limiting her. And now as soon as you open that perspective to, hey, what do you, you know, what? let's get some clarity on what how you want to be seen, you know, your brand. It's what you're known for. 
when you're not in the room? How, when you're working with folks, you're teaching, mentoring, speaking, what do you do for people to create that awareness and that clarity of how they want to be perceived and link that to really the life that they want to create, something that's bigger than just you know, their job or their paycheck in that moment? Oh, such a, it's, it's a fun process. It's also, it's also a process. So the first thing I would say is trust the process. You don't change a brand overnight. I think the, the, there are some steps I can offer. So the first step is to try to figure out what your brand is right now. And, 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 and that's outside of you. What are you known for? And to some degree, you can use questions like, what do people come to you for help with? You know, uh, what assignments flow to you? To some degree, that will tell you what people think is your strength, is your skill set. And that can also show you some flaws in your brand. I had a woman one time at a conference say, well, I don't know why everyone always comes to me with all you know, the office gossip and news. And I said, they, they come to you with that? Oh, yes, I know who's in trouble and who's, you know, dating who and who's mad at who. And I said, I had a piece of paper in my hand and I said, what is this? You know, just as an experiment with her. And she said, well, it's a piece of paper. And then I watered it up. And I said, now what is it? She said, it's garbage. I said, do me a favor, put it where it goes. And so she starts wandering around this meeting room looking. I said, what are you doing? Where are you going? She said, I'm looking for the garbage can. I said, ah, you're looking for the appropriate place to put the garbage. Do you think maybe people are doing that with you? Right. So that's not a, you know, that's not a, you know, a brand that you want to build. I'm well, that the, was some truth and love right there. Yeah, I don't know if I got a lot of good feedback from her, but so, so sometimes it's having the boldness when you're looking at your brand. Um, some of the things are that you want to look for are what is positive and powerful about my brand? What isn't? Mm-hmm. And what is, this is, this is probably the most common thing I, that I, that I see as I work with people and they dig into this. What are the ambiguous, unclear, uh, the things that, that you have that other people just don't know you have it, right? What do you wish were more obvious to people? So in the case of the, the tactical worker wanting to be known as more strategic, that was sort of a dormant skill that she had. It wasn't obvious to people. She, had, she, was, she was clearly tactical and efficient, but people didn't know about her ability to be strategic and creative. She had to bring that forward. So the first step is to figure out, you know, what is your current brand? And then it is to decide what do you want your brand to be in the context of the future that you seek? So as you look out a year, three, five years I guess the question is, how will your brand need to change so that you become the natural opportunity, or that, excuse me, the natural choice for the opportunities that you seek, that you are top of mind? So, for example, you said, uh, uh, or maybe we'll see this at the top of the, at the, of the interview, uh, Bob Berg was, uh, was saying, here are some people off the top of my head. And my name came up. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tremendously honored by that. But that is exactly how can you become top of mind when someone says, who is, I'll give you an example in a mentoring context. Uh, one of my clients is UPS, and I, I love working with UPS. I design their mentoring communities around the world, and they are, they are world-class in their mentoring process. There was, a, there was a, a, an interesting story about how brands attract to themselves. There was a problem somewhere in UPS. And I don't know what the problem was. Probably something around logistics because they love logistics, right? And the, the leadership was talking about this problem. And then someone said, who are the problem solvers? 
Where are they? And names just started coming to the top of these leadership minds. Interesting. Go get those people. Let give them the problem. Let's see what they will do. And they were they were very successful at solving that problem. But the point of the story is what brought them to the table was their brand. So what I'm noticing in the workplace now is at the very highest levels of organizations, the employee brands are being discussed as it relates to opportunities in the organization. Our brands are becoming very, very important. And uh, we all have one, by the way, by default or by design. I think design is better. <laughs> yeah, we have the, the, the no plan brand. <laughs> we have the planned brand, right? Right. So I think the steps are really to do some diagnostics, right? Some, a deep dive into what is your brand today? What do you hope that it will be? And find those big gaps. And then start to think about what is the lexicon? Uh, you know, how do, I, how do I show up? So one individual did it like this. She had three branding words that she wanted to add to herself. I think it was leadership, innovation, and strategic. She wrote those words down. They weren't words that she was currently known for. And then she scanned her calendar and she looked at her appointments, her meetings, her projects, and she said, how will these attributes show up on these calendar items? So in other words, in this meeting, how will I demonstrate my innovation? How will I demonstrate my strategic agility? What, is the, what, what will I do to show up and be the brand? And she's just very intentional with that as she plans her week. So it's, there's a little bit of a slogging through it, right? I, I think if I want to be known as innovative, I don't get to be innovative one time. I have to be innovative over time. But if you're keeping that front of mind, you know, you get what you focus on. And if you're intentionally going into a situation, a dialogue, a meeting saying, I'm going to be innovative somehow, some way, it's going to come across. And then you start getting known for that. Yeah. And if you're not intentional about it, it, it never gets lost. I think also, you know, one of the power things for mentorship for me is also how do I link kind of where I am today? Those words you talked about innovative leadership strategic um i remember i asked somebody once i want to be you know uh, ceo of this of a company someday i want to move into that direction you know what advice would you give to me and he basically described the kind of leadership the qualities the characters that in his opinion this is somebody i respected would move you up and through that uh in a way it was really defining to me servant leadership uh, but now I had a vision for what that brand needed to be. It helped me kind of shape it and bring it into a way that was in line with the gifts and talents that God had put in there. Um, and was one of the most powerful interactions I'd ever had with a mentor was was shaping that. That was a really good process. That 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 is a great process. Kind of casting that vision. What are what are the expectations of uh, of someone who would fully occupy that space? And then you mm -hmm. said something else that's really powerful. And then how do I align that with my gifts, my strengths, which are really uh, pointing me towards my calling? Well, I love your favorite verse you put in here. I don't know if you want to expand on it. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's one of my favorites, too. Oh, yeah. That one is, uh, that one is near and dear to me because through uh, the good and the bad, the highs and the lows, I know that God has a plan for my life. And, um, and I, can, I can walk with confidence through those things. I'm also learning, too, that... Yeah, I don't know. I, I personally don't know how people get through 10 minutes without God, right? I, I, <laughs> I, I People can go a whole lifetime without meeting God. I can't get through the next day. I can't get through this interview without God, right? So the, the idea for me is that where, 
the confidence that I have is that in between what uh, is possible or the result that is required and my capability, then if I will just bring my best to it, if I will bring the best of who I am to this situation, God will fill in all of the gaps. He will, he will fill in the holes and he will make it great. And when I finally realized, and, 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 and part of the, the, the plan for the future too is uh, where we spend our time, right? That intentionality. I remember one time getting ready to speak, and it was actually to a large Christian women's conference in San Antonio, Texas. I think there were several thousand women there. And I had been on the road, and I'd been traveling a lot, and I, you know, I, I was feeling a little unprepared, a little uncentered. And uh, as I was in the back praying, like, you know, God, just give me the anointing, give me the word, speak through me tonight. It was almost audible, truly. It was like, well, you know what? My anointing isn't something that I just wave over you. My anointing is something that happens when you spend time with me. That hasn't been happening so much. So I'll just let you take this one on your own. And I remember stepping out onto the stage and feeling for the first time, I cannot do this alone. And thankfully, he didn't let me fall on my face. But it was a really good lesson because sometimes I think that we get so busy in life, uh, becoming these things, building our brand and all that. And ultimately, uh, when, I, uh, when I spend time with God and when I have his presence and when I step into every situation knowing that he has designed this for a reason or that he will help me be successful for his purposes and reasons, I will be successful. But the moment that I lose sight of that and get caught up in the busyness of it, the uh, energy drains out of it, and actually the meaning also leaves. So the purpose behind it. So that scripture to me just talks about my purpose, and it also talks about my protection. Well, I love how you describe that, Dondi. You know, as we as we wrap up here, uh, is there just anything else on your heart that you just would really love to share with, with anybody who's listening to this? I think that if I could just give an encouragement, is that you are at the threshold of a new thing. And if we will allow God to do it, He will do a brand new thing in each of us. And the new thing in each of us is part of a much bigger picture. So this this risk that you need to take or this fear that you need to overcome or the skill that you need to build, uh, I will tell you that God is a creator of talent. He's also an exporter of talent. And there's a bigger purpose behind it, right? So we see the finite, we see the moment, we see the disappointment or the struggle, and there's a bigger picture. So I'm constantly telling people, look up, look up, look up. There is a bigger picture that you are part of and don't lose sight of that. If you'd like to learn more about Dondi, her books, her website, speaking, etc., just go to eternalleadership.com slash 062. That's eternalleadership.com slash 062. And as always, that link is embedded in the summary of this MP3 for quick access to that page. If you have any guest ideas, please let us know, especially women that are making a kingdom impact. We love those suggestions. We love hearing about people that we've never heard of. So please send it to us through Facebook, facebook.com slash eternal leadership, Twitter at eternal leaders, or through our private LinkedIn group. Just type eternal leadership in the search box and it'll pop up right there. Next time on eternal leadership, director of marketing at halftime Institute, Paul McGinnis. My wife's asleep next to me and I, I wake her up and I say, Miriam. And she's like, what? <laughs> 
And I go, I really think God is telling me to leave Ecolab and he wants me to leave tomorrow. And she goes, great. And she turns back over and goes to sleep. (laughs) 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 And I'm like, all right, I'm sorry. And I tap her. I said, man, I'm going to need a little more than that. And she goes, what? She goes, why are you hesitant? She goes, this is what you've been praying for is clear direction for the last nine months. And she goes, that sounds pretty clear to me. And his wife didn't stop there. Don't miss this one, as Paul has a crazy God story where he was called out from a successful company, giving up potential stock options, a nice golden parachute, and into a much more deep and fulfilling life. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership. <laughs>